everyone. This is Dave DeBow with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Today, I've got a sharp young fellow on the call with me today, and that is Adam Martin. I believe, Adam, you're in beautiful London, Ontario. Is that correct? That's right. Thanks for having me on today, Dave. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. So Adam is a relatively new real estate entrepreneur, but he's taken massive action in a short amount of time and become very, very good at finding motivated sellers who are happy and willing to provide vendor take back financing on their deals. So we'll be talking about that. Plus Adam's got experience doing Airbnb and house hacking and all sorts of cool stuff. So Adam, again, thank you very much for being on the call. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. All right. So tell us a little bit about you, your background and what got you into this crazy world of real estate investing. Yeah, so I started investing at the age of 24. That's when I bought my first property. I got sort of hooked on the same gateway drug a lot of people in my age and sort of my peers would have, being rich dad, poor dad, where, you know, we're talking about freedom, we're talking about building equity and wealth and cash flow. And those things really attracted me because I was working at a desk job where I would have been making about 100000 a year at this point. But I was working about 16 hours a day and I, I really didn't have much control over how I was making my money or whether or not I would continue making money in the future. There was always sort of that looming guillotine over my head, whether you know I was performing or not. So really a big part of it for me was about building wealth and it was about gaining control over my financial freedom and taking steps towards replacing my income with cash flow. Nice. Nice. So what did you do? So you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, like a lot of us have. Yeah. And that was a major inspiration for you. So what did you jump in and do first? So one of the first steps I took was probably the most important step. And some of your questions usually reflect on what would you tell other people to do? This is yeah. absolutely the step that catapulted me forward. One of the first things I did was I, I went and surrounded myself with real estate investors. So I went on a limo tour. So my colleague, Jeff Weibo, hosts a Weibo limo tour where we tour private off-market deals. And, you know, we load up a limo, we walk through, let's say, six, seven, eight buildings in a day, and everybody sort of assesses them. And it's a chance for people to buy off-market real estate. So I went on to one of those with absolutely no resources, no means to buy anything. But I went there for the networking to meet some great people. I ended up meeting my mentor there. His name's Matt McKeever. He's got, I think, the largest personal brand in Canadian financing and real estate in Canada. So on YouTube, he's got about 50,000 subscribers. And at that point, you know, I met him, I went home, I binge watched about 300 of his videos on YouTube. I learned everything that was possible to learn from him in that free realm. And then I set a meeting with him and just jumped two feet forward. I just said, Hey, it was a Sunday night. I met with him. I said, I'll be here tomorrow at eight. What are we doing? Quit my job on the Sunday night. And I was there Monday morning. And my first activities that I was doing, I was doing some contracting for him, which I, uh, I self-proclaimed I was terrible at to begin with. I was like, Hey man, I'm a terrible contractor, but I'd love to help. You know, I'll work for free. I'll work for whatever. You I mean like hammering stuff and sawing stuff and yeah. 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 And I've got some experience on the saws, but like I knew for sure it wasn't going to be my best fit. So we transitioned very quickly away from that and into actually wholesaling. So I have had some door-to-door sales experience. I've had lots of sales experience and call experience in previous jobs. And I took those skills and applied them directly to walking through off-market properties, meeting with sellers, going door-to-door, 
talking with buyers, so potential investors or buyers of these deals, and walk through my first couple hundred deals right away, right there. And that's what kind of got me started on the path of identifying my first property and starting my investing journey. Very, very cool. That's a very different way to go about doing it, but I think a very smart way to go about doing it because you're getting paid to learn, basically. So that's That's pretty darn smart. And you're in the field that you want to get focused on. So yeah, I always... I always tell people there's a couple of different ways that you can get experience. One is through the school of hard knocks, which is just really long, painful, and stupid. Another one is to buy experience by investing in coaching and programs and and training with other people. And the other way, which is the way that you took, is a combination because you got free training online and stuff. But then you jumped in and you worked for free for a little while and then started getting paid for it. But yeah, working with somebody who's doing what you want to do which I think is yeah. one of the best ways to do it, actually, for sure. That was instrumental, right? And then every deal I was looking at in terms of both wholesaling and personally, I would yeah. workshop it with them, right? You know, how could this work out for me? What are some opportunities I could move forward on based on my position, which was, you know, I've got, I had at the time about $60,000 in debt. I had high utilization on my credit. I had no employment income. So I'm like the worst case for a bank, right? So that's what kind of led me down the path of needing to get creative. All right. So let's jump into talking about vendor take back financing. So first of all, Adam, what's your definition of that? What does that mean to you and for people that aren't really very familiar with it? Yeah. So a vendor take back mortgage is often referred to as seller financing. And really what's happening here is your seller is actually replacing the bank that you would be borrowing from for that mortgage using the equity that they have in the building. So if you, Dave, own 100% of the property, you can, in theory, loan me 100% of that equity in the form of a mortgage, which is perfectly legal. It's registered at the lawyer's office. It's all done through the lawyers where they actually register the first or second charge or whatever charge you're using. So it really does act and behave just like the bank would. There's just often a lot of pros that you won't find at the bank. For example, he wasn't worried about my credit worthiness. He wasn't worried about my income or my ability to prove my income. And he wasn't worried about my utilization on credit and any of those factors that would certainly come into play if we were talking to an institutional financer. Oh, most definitely. So bottom line, let's say I'm the property owner. I own the sucker outright. I've paid off my mortgage. For whatever reason, I decide I like you and I want to sell my property to you and I'm willing to be the bank. So bottom line, we negotiate how much of a down payment, if any, you're going to come up with. And then the rest I'm going to finance for X amount of time, just like the bank would. And that's registered on title. It's all done through the lawyers. So I am secured. I know that if you don't pay the bill, just like the bank, I can go in and foreclose on you and I'm secured by the property. Is that pretty much it in a nutshell? Yep, 100%. And a big way to present this to your seller is as a service. So there are some pros that I didn't cover actually that would be really important from your perspective as the seller. So one of the reasons that you might want to do this, if you do have 100% equity, you really have to take into consideration your capital gains and the impact that that's going to have when you go to sell this property. So one of the benefits with a vendor take back mortgage is you can actually spread those capital gains out and sort of amortize them over, I think, five years maximum. So you can actually spread those taxes out. So it reduces your tax burden. 
And it allows you to also benefit from interest payments. So just like the bank would, you know, prime rate right now is like 3.7 or something. And then there's some lower rates that can obviously be achieved. But at the end of the day, would you not rather receive that interest from me instead of me paying it to the bank? And you often are able, if you're in the buying position, to offer either more money. So it's either better price or better terms, typically, that you can still offer because you're not having the hassle of having to go qualify. Often you can use different down payment values. So on the first property that I did, it was a 96% loan to value. So I only had to come up with 4% down. And then I paid him 3% interest every month on that value. And the term's actually 13 years. So it's an extraordinary deal. Three, and, sorry, 3% every month or, or 3% annually? Or sorry, per annum, yeah. Yeah, big difference. Yeah, that's a big difference. So, I mean, Very for good. him, he gets the benefit. He actually ends up making about $60,000 more in interest payments over the length of the term. And then he'll still have that balloon payment at the end of the 13 years. Because just right. like any other mortgage, we're amortizing this mortgage over 25 years or 20, 30, whatever you set it up to be. But you're amortizing the loan over typically a longer period than what your term is. So mm. there's still going to be a balloon payment or or a payment to finish your debt there at the end. Yeah, most definitely. And so a big advantage, you know, if anybody's ever looked at an amortization schedule, you probably realize that at the beginning of the loan, the vast majority of your pay or a good chunk of your payment is going towards interest. Yeah. And a smaller portion is going towards principal. So as a seller, he's benefiting from that. So he's actually probably making much better than 3% on yes. money if you look at that time frame, right? Because that's that's the trick to the whole amortization thing, right? Yeah, his effective rate will be higher for sure. Right now, when I look at my amortization schedule and really break it down, my mortgage payment's twelve fifty. And I think about six fifty or seven hundred of that every month is just interest, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, but again, Beautiful. I'm happy to do so. And you'd this, have to do it anyway, would you? I mean, basically. Well, that's the thing. You're not losing anything here. And I was actually able to justify not only was he asking for a purchase price that didn't make sense for me at the time, because I was approaching the building as a wholesale opportunity. Mm. And for wholesaling, for anybody that doesn't know either, it's when you're finding a private deal. Well, I suppose it doesn't need to be private, but you're locking up a deal under contract for a certain value. It's typically going to be under market value or at market value if you're in a really hot market. And then you're going to assign the contract to somebody else and make the spread and the difference between what you got it under contract for and what your investor or buyer is willing to pay. So I was looking at this building. It made a lot of sense for me to wholesale it if I could get it at about 180000 He was asking two twenty-five, So there's a big gap between where I needed to be if I was going to wholesale it and what it would be worth to an investor. And so what I did is I actually offered him more. I said, you know what, 225,000 is ludicrous for this property. I'll never be able to afford that. But I'll tell you what I can do is I'll pay you 240 if you hold the mortgage. And you know, right there, that was a that was a big play on my end. And then I showed him, I actually brought him the prepared amortization schedule to show him exactly how he would benefit over time in the deal what he stood to gain, explain to him the risks and what he stood to lose, and then leverage the fact that he's been describing to me how wonderful this asset is over the last three meetings, right? Mm -hmm. To your point, if I don't pay, he can have his wonderful asset back. It's great. It's a perfect deal. It is. And smart, smart on your part, 
right? Because he was a little bit out to lunch with what he was asking for. So he's already a bit greedy. Yep. Perhaps. Or, but you went in there and you said, hey, you know, that's kind of, it doesn't make any sense financially, but here, I'll even pay you more if you're the bank for me, because then and here's how it makes sense for both of us. Both of us. And what I really liked about what you just said there, Adam, as well, is you, is you explained the deal in plain language to him and you showed him the pros and the cons. Yes. The rewards and the risks, and he could make an educated decision. Yeah. When we're talking about vendor takebacks, maybe the most important thing to consider is the amount of roadblocks that you will undoubtedly encounter. So if there's a realtor between you, that's a layer of abstraction. That is certainly one place where your deal could die. And if you get past the realtor, you're probably dealing now with family members and other close influences to them who are going to say, why wouldn't you just sell it? Get the money today. So that's another objection or, or potential pitfall or place for your deal to die. And then the final place, which is almost certainly going to be an objection, is at the lawyer's office when you're actually going to close. And so naturally, I ran into basically all of these. But I had I had explained to him so thoroughly what his pros and cons would be and how exactly this transaction would go down that he knew exactly what he was getting into to the point where he told me that his lawyer looked him straight in the eyes and said, you should not do this deal. And he looked him right back in the eyes and said, yes, I should, because I understand what I stand to gain here. I've seen the amortization schedule. I've seen how much money I stand to benefit. And I'm commanding a price that Honestly, it was overpriced at the moment. Like it certainly was. Now yeah. it's appreciated about seventy thousand dollars in the last year, and so now I'm quite happy with the purchase. But at the time, I was, you know, I was on a bit of an emotional roller coaster myself. Like I really wanted to get into my first deal, but I didn't know at what cost I wanted to get into my first deal. Right, fair enough. So, quick question for you, Adam. And it sounds like you got a lot between yourself and what you do with uh, working with Matt. You got a lot of experience with this, but. Where do you find or how do you find these kind of sellers? How do you find somebody that's got a property that's free and clear? Well, this one, and this is not going to be the answer that people might be looking for. So this one came just out of sheer repetition. This was a numbers game. At the time, we're sending out about 10,000 letters, handwritten letters. So yellow letters for anybody that wants to look this up to specific targeted neighborhoods where we suspected that there could either be a lot of potential in terms of upside or even potential areas where we haven't seen a lot of turnover. So if you do a little bit of scraping on Geo Warehouse, you can kind of get a a sense of where areas are turning over a lot. And you can focus your mail campaigns or your door knocking or any other type of marketing into these areas where you can find potential. So this was a numbers game. I mean, I knocked 100, 200 doors. I went on as many appointments as that from flyers to find this deal. But if you're looking for these people, one of the simplest things to do is to ask. So how long have you lived here? What do you owe on the property? What are you trying to gain by selling this property? Because most people, when they approach you, especially if they're calling any kind of marketing for off-market properties or they want you to come in as an investor, they're not trying to sell you the house. The house has nothing to do with it. They're trying to sell you a problem. And if you dig into their why and you really ask the right questions in terms of qualifying them, you can often just get to the answer. And for this guy, he just, he had really terrible people living in the building that he didn't know how to get rid of. I knew how to get rid of them. He 
wanted the equity, but he knew he couldn't financially be responsible with the money. And so I dealt with that for him. He needed a place to go or a place to live afterwards. So I got him an apartment. I showed him, I negotiated the rents and showed him three options of where he could live. You know, I got him a moving company. He wanted it to be simple. So I got him a moving company to move all the stuff and arranged his lawyer for him. Like I I really made a service out of this, right? Like a full experience. And sorry, but just to get back on track in terms of qualifying these individuals, it's often as easy as asking, you know, and a big part of it is how long have you lived here? What do you owe on the property? What are you using the money for? Because again, they're not selling you the building. They're selling you retirement. They're selling you an upgrade to a new lifestyle. They're selling you maybe a downgrade. They're selling you something else. They're selling you a why or an overall reason why they want to sell. It's not about the building. Very rare anyways. Very, very well said. Adam, time flies when we're having fun on this show. (laughs) Really appreciate you sharing that whole vendor take back mortgage idea with us. I think that's something new for a lot of people. And if folks want to find out more about you and what you're up to, what should they do? Yeah, the best place to find me, guys, is on Instagram, where I'm Adam J.D. Martin. You can also check me out. We've got a software company because most of us signed up to be real estate investors and not landlords. So we started a software company. You can find me there all the time. It's controlyourproperty.com. You've got my contact information there. There's Facebook groups around it. And otherwise, Instagram. Check out my mentor, mattmckeever.com. You can get a free landlord starter kit there or go to his YouTube channel. And he's got 500 free videos there where you can learn and get in contact with this as well. Yeah, I had the pleasure of interviewing Matt just a few weeks ago. So uh, Awesome. uh, Excellent. uh, Awesome. Well, this has been really good. Thank you very much for sharing your your points of wisdom there. Well earned. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. All right, everybody. Take care, and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Well, thanks very much for checking out the Property Profits podcast. If you like what we're doing here, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate us, and leave us a review. Be very, very much appreciated. And if you're looking to create a regular flow of inbound investor inquiries about your real estate deals, then I invite you to attend one of my upcoming live online demonstrations. And you can check that out at Investor Attraction Demo. Take care.